0: At this time, Bridge Noland will come with the split sermon titled, Too Far Gone.
1: Sitting in the dark, shaking in a cold wind, Kiss on my lips that used to thrill me. If I go another day, it's gonna kill me. Slipped into a dream, woke up in a nightmare, scars on my skin. Don't know how they got there, how heavy was the crown of thorns. I wonder if I'm too far gone. This ain't Jesus. while
0: When Steve asked me to fill in for Sean, I thought about doing something dealing with the state of our nation, the race for the White House, since we've just had the two conventions that just finished. But then I would have had to lead in with something like uh, the songs from the Wizard of Oz, if I only had a brain or if I only had a heart, or I could do the universal politician song, liar, liar, right? No. I'd rather tell you about Josh Brown's story. Josh Brown, The Dark Hills that you just heard, by Day of Fire, echoes the moment of conversion for their lead singer, Josh Brown. Former, former lead singer for a Full Devil Jacket, he found himself at the brink of despair, addicted to drugs and the rock and roll lifestyle. After that moment of redemption, he formed the band Day of Fire and turned his considerable music talents into producing some of the most powerful contemporary Christian songs imaginable, Although they're not always pretty songs, but there are songs of hope for people in despair who really need that redeeming power of Christ. People who ask the question implied by the refrain, I wonder if I'm too far gone. Is it too late for me? My messages are typically instructional or persuasive, for which I'm, I don my teacher hat and I try to clarify specific points in doctrine or scripture. This one is not that at all. Rather, it is an appeal to those of us who have heard Satan's siren song of worthlessness uh, and walked up to the brink of despair, looked over the edge into the abyss. Too often, Christianity focuses upon the sinful nature of carnal man and our complete inability to live up to that amplified standard of the law that Jesus advocated, and that we begin then to neglect the value of the individual life. We members of the church of God especially, because we value the law so highly, we look at our own sins and shortcomings as magnified through the lens of the law, so that even minor offenses and sins arising out of our God-designed human nature get blown up larger than life. and We begin to base ourselves. Further, we know that, as James uh, 2 verse 10 tells us, that for whoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point he is guilty of all. for each of those minor offenses then we have broken the entire law. There is a despair, a deep, deep despair that arises out of trying to be good and failing miserably. It's the little things in particular that are discouraging things We ought to be able to master of ourselves. But they keep coming back and keep coming back. And then to be acutely aware that each one of my sins is a nail that helped to pin Jesus to the stake. Each one a thorn in his crown. Well, how heavy was that crown of thorns? How heavy was that crown of thorns? My sins alone would have pinned him there for a millennium at least. But he took on the sins of all humanity for all time. Indeed, how heavy was that crown of thorns? Why would he do that when we are so unworthy of such love? I grow angry and frustrated with myself that I cannot control even the simplest sins. And I ask myself, am I too far gone? Am I too far gone? But when I do that, My focus is all wrong. For redemption has never been about our worthiness. It has never been about our worthiness. Rather, it has always, always been about the magnanimous love of God. We are merely the beneficiaries of that love. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7 through 9. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Now some of us, myself included, have a hard time accepting such bountiful love because of our own self-loathing. A sentiment that the Apostle Paul voiced to the Romans. Romans 7, verses 18 through 25. Many of you know this passage. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do Now, if I do that which I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. This is Paul's out. Then I find a law, that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is, is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God that through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. We need to realize that in the eyes of God, we are his precious, precious children, for which he was even willing to risk everything sacrificed his life, that we might become forever a part of his family, an heir to the universe, to become fully human and to ex- experience the full spectrum of human existence so that he might be more compassionate toward us. Hebrews 4, verses 15 and 16 tells us, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but he was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Making me feel even worse. Yet, uh, therefore, come boldly, uh, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Therein lies our strength, our audacity of hope. We are the children of God, and that one day we shall be like him. We all know this one, 1 John 3, verses 1 through 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we shall be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knows us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that has his hope in him, purifies himself, even as he is pure. What's more, this is a promise to all of his children. Romans 8, verses 14 through 21. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have received the spirit of bondage, you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. And it Fear that despair is like shackles that bind us. You, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now, that word Abba is a more personal, intimate word. It means daddy, effectively. It's a more, a closer form of Father. The spirit bears itself with our spirit, that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature, by the way, that word creature here uh, should really be creation, all of creation. For the earnest expectation of, of creation awaits for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creation was made Subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who was uh, subjected the same in hope. Because the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. And Jesus proclaims our value in a poetic device called understatement. Understatement means you say something less than it actually is. Luke 12, 6-7. He says... Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten by God? But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Something that's easier for some than others. Um, Fear not, therefore, uh, ye are of more value than many, many sparrows. God has a very great investment in us. Indeed, the whole cosmos, all the universe the multiverse I actually should say was created for our benefit so precious are we in his sight that he desires that not one of us should perish Second, Second Peter 3 9 tells us that the Lord lack concerning his promise as some men count slackness but is long suffering to us Lord, not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance we are like the prodigal son returning to his father are like the lost sheep in the parable of the ninety and nine. Go to Luke fifteen three to 7 for that parable. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after them that is lost until he finds it? Now he doesn't abandon the ninety and nine. They're they're safe within the sheepfold. They're protected. He's not abandoning them, but he so values the individual, not just the herd, but the individual, that he goes after that one. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. And I say unto you, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner, that repents more than over the and 99 just persons which need no repentance. <coughs> we are of such value to our Lord that all of heaven rejoices when even one sinner repents. He will search the dark hills of our psyche to find us. Search through that despair that we feel. Do you understand that the creator of the multiverse wants to spend eternity with us? That's Big. He wants to spend all of eternity with us. Shouldn't that alone affirm our worth to him? Okay, maybe you don't believe scripture. I know that, that's not true of this group, but maybe you don't believe scripture. Let's see what price pure science and business says that we are valued. According to Dottie Hawthorne, outreach librarian for the Mayo Clinic Libraries, Back in 1924, Dr. Charles Mayo, then president of the American Medical Association for whom the Mayo Clinic is named, jokingly assessed the value of the base elements that comprise the human body to be worth approximately eh, 84 cents. That's the value of the human body. The base elements of the human body cost less than the food that we need to sustain it. You realize that a, a, a Whopper costs of four fifty or so. So it costs more to sustain us than the base elements are worth. Remove the water from our bodies, and we become a small pile of chemicals, like what you might see on a Star Trek episode or so. A lot of Trekkies out there. Okay. Uh, but we are more than base elements. God has arranged those few chemicals into a very complex, self-replicating molecule and organs that give the body a scrap value of about $45 million each. Did you realize that? Your scrap value of your body is about $45 million. Wow! According to a survey in the August issue of Wired Magazine. But that's just the scrap value. The principal synergy says that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. So each of us is actually priceless. Not even counting the value of the life, the knowledge, the experiences, the capacity for self-replication, regeneration of parts, etc. The intangibles that the human being has. That's why there's such a huge black market for biological parts and fluids. A market that has led to the illegal trafficking in human organs and bio- biologics. So... The idea of human worthlessness is absurd. However, word of caution, don't try to cash in on the, uh, on the worth of your body. For do- Doing so rather defeats the purpose, if you know what I mean. Because you, you need, to, you need those, some, some of those parts in order to continue living, so it would be kind of defeat the purpose. You wouldn't be around to enjoy the proceeds of the sale. But the real value of the human being lies in what it produces. Our physical existence is the larval stage for producing the spiritual children of God and the future citizens of the kingdom of God, the citizens of the universe. We've got the entire universe to explore. We are a mystery to the angels, for apparently, unlike them, we have the capacity for repentance. Once they make a, make a decision, it gets locked into their programming. never seems to be able to change. But we can always change. We can always repent. So the answer to, am I too far gone, is a resounding no. As long as we can even ask the question, we have the possibility of repentance. And with that, the possibility of life everlasting. The despair that arises out of self-loathing and doubt, It's one of the most powerful weapons that Satan has to use against us. But we cannot, we must not, surrender to that darkness. Rather, we want to call upon the great physician from the dark hills of despair to heal that heavy heart. Matthew 9, verses 11 through 13. When the Pharisees saw, they said to his disciples, Why does your master eat with the tax collectors and the sinners? But Jesus heard, he said to them, the ones who, who are whole do not need a physician, but the ones who are sick. But go and learn what this is. I will have mercy and will not sacrifice. For I have, come, uh, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So, talk with your Christian brothers and sisters, who have probably gone through similar experiences, and then remember the power and love of our father and elder brother. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 promises us that there has been no temptation um, taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, God is creator of the universe, powerful beyond imagination. We cannot doubt our Lord's power to save us, nor can we doubt his willingness to save us. After all, he came here and gave his life for us. Your love has no man to give his life for his friends. Nor can we doubt his love for his children, in whom he has invested the entire cosmic universe for this far. Did you think of everything about that? The entire universe has been created and developed for us to lead us to this point. That's how big of an investment God has in each of us. We are most precious to him and of such infinite value that he was willing to risk his divinity to die for us as our Redeemer. Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. That value of us to God is exactly what Satan wants us to doubt. Truly, our sins can separate us from God for a while. But the prayer of genuine repentance breaks down that great wall of sin and separation that we have built. Notice that we have built and carries us like a worm back to the, uh, the throne of God and into our father's waiting and outstretched arm. He is our peace who has broken down every wall and he has made himself the bridge between God and man. None of us are so far gone that the hand of God cannot save us. Rather, those who have sinned the most are often more aware of their debt than the more, and more thankful for their redemption. Remember the woman who washed Jesus' feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. It's in Luke uh, seven, verse uh, yeah, Luke seven, verse forty-seven. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, he loves little. So, the more it's not to say that we should continue to sin. God forbid, as Paul says. Rather, it is that those who have sinned know the enormity of what they're being forgiven of. And the more that they have sinned, the greater their love, in general speaking. She, like, uh, she was like Josh and others of us who fully realize the enormity of our sins before God and who cry out in repentance for mercy and know in, uh, and know in faith that he will come save me. We can never be so far gone that God cannot love us. That is one of Satan's lies. Don't fall.